Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. Now today, we go into the world of starseeds and indigos. And in Buddhism, we would call them toku children. In Buddhism, toku is a term used for ancient souls with high energy signatures that incarnate into the earth realm to assist in humanity's spiritual evolution within the source code. So my guest today is Starseed Coach Sersha Claire, who helps Starseed incarnates adjust to earth, thrive in this lifetime, and anchor in our planet's new energies of the fifth dimension. So with that, Sersha, welcome to Merkava Chakras. Thank you so much, Vaughn. I'm really excited to be here and have this discussion with you. Oh, I love, 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 love these discussions. And the fun thing is that um, the concept of star seeds and indigos has kind of gotten a fresh light in the last couple of decades because of different authors. And it's wonderful because it actually dug into a really, really old concept in Buddhism that we call toku. And um, so before we get into the topic of toku, um, so let's discuss how you got into this work in the first place. Sure, absolutely. So I have always known that I was a starseed for as long as I can remember, but I never had a term for what I knew to be true about myself, probably until I was my early 20s. That's the first time I had ever heard the word starseed. And hearing the word to me felt like coming home. There was just some sort of frequency that was embedded in it that made me realize this is what I have been looking for my entire life. But up until that point, I had psychic and clairvoyant abilities. I had the ability to talk to entities in the ancestral realm. And I grew up in the Midwestern United States. I went to a private religious affiliated school as a child. So none of those qualities were embraced to say the least. So my whole life, I had really been kind of running away from what I felt made me who I am and the gifts that I felt like I could use to help other people live a better and more peaceful life. And I kind of went down the path of corporate achievement. I went to university. I went to university for my master's degree. I ended up in corporate real estate brokerage as a career and was kind of just living this you know, for all intents and purposes, successful 3D life. And I'd heard the term star seeds. I was in touch with a form of my multidimensionality because I had met and married my twin flame. And he and I knew that we were twin flames. We affirmed that in each other. There were all sorts of synchronicities in our lives that lined up perfectly. His birthday was even the day after mine. And that was kind of the only place in my life that I felt really comfortable expressing the full extent of who I was. And I had a very profound change in my life when I was 27. My father passed away and he had brain cancer. So that was a very traumatic event for me. 
And the following year, my husband, who was my twin flame, he passed away in a helicopter crash. And at the time of his passing, he and I actually had a shared death experience. So he took me into another realm where essentially he got to say goodbye to me. That was like his parting gift to me being his twin flame, knowing that our karmic contract had been fulfilled. And while I was in that space, I received an incredible amount of information about who we are and what we are here to experience on this earth. But then coming back down into my body from that kind of experience, I always liken it to you know, maybe being a really old Mac computer, like those colorful iMac computers they used to make in the late nineties. I used to love those. Yeah. I love those too. <laughs> so like, imagine that you're like a hot pink iMac and then someone just plugs in this memory stick of information from millennia in the future. That's really, really hard to know what to do with at all. Right. Yeah. So from that point on, I knew that what I had experienced with him in the void was real and that it was undeniable and that it was a part of the reason why up until that point in my life, I'd had all these inklings of being from another galaxy or having past life memories with cosmic DNA embedded. And I knew that he had given me that information so that I could deeply impact the lives of other people who felt like me. And it took me a really long time to sort through all of that. I mean, that experience happened six years ago. So that's it wasn't short. That, that, that's not long ago. It's not like I did, you know, it took me 10, 20 years to integrate all of it. But when I was in the thick of it, it felt like that was the only thing I was working through mm. was figuring out how do I grieve? And at the same time, how do I integrate all of this stuff that he gave me? What am I supposed to do with it? Why me? Like all of those questions were on a loop in my head 24 seven. And at some point I had an experience where I realized that there wasn't actually a whole lot of work for me to do at all because part of my soul that he took, he still had. And there was a walk-in fragment that replaced that. And the walk-in part of me already is the embodiment of all of that knowledge. So then I started putting it into work with coaching clients one-on-one, -on -one, helping people work through grief, helping people work through shared death experiences, helping people work through questions of, you know, what it means to have mortality as part of our package here as humans. And then that just kind of morphed into specifically really attracting people who identified as star seeds and people who really wanted to connect with the part of themselves that has galactic memory and galactic purpose. And um, I ended up channeling a framework for star seeds that we're calling the star seed archetypes or the star archetypes. So it's basically the new earth paradigm for how to operate as a star seed in our current timeline without depleting your energy or without feeling really burnt out or that you just simply don't belong here because that's the message that we've received pretty much up until now is okay well if you're an alien <laughs> right like even that word is there's just so many distorted codes embedded in that word that it's hard for some people to even come to terms with accepting this could be part of who I am, right? And then once you do accept it and you go through some sort of awakening experience, there's this other framework that's shoved upon you of how you're supposed to look and function in your day-to-day -day life. And a lot of those things can be really misleading, really frustrating, really deplete your energy. If you're someone who's an empath, that can be really dangerous for you to try and empath everything just because you think you can or you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So I essentially received this framework of how do we work as a collective to advance the 5D timeline and 
how do we do it in a way where we all feel like we belong here and we all feel like we have purpose and we have the energy to actually complete the mission that we came here for. So it's been a really interesting ride. Um, I'm thankful that I'm at this place in my life that I am now. And I just feel really blessed to have the kind of community that I do with everyone who has interacted with the Starseed coach and the Starseed archetype system. It's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, I, 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 I went through the material. I was very fascinated with it. And, you know, I, I liken it to, um, you know, there was a time and place where much of humanity thought we were the only thing around. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you find out, um, you know, that there are different types of people in the world that look different from you that are human too and then all of a sudden your knowledge about what humanity looks like and is has expanded to incorporate different races different Mm -hmm. um cultures etc and now as we get further into this kind of cosmic journey there's the concept that many people have that they only incarnate as earth people there's only mm-hmm. there's only earth to incarnate into and so mm-hmm. now we're being challenged to expand even further that just like before when we thought we were the center of everything it was just all about us and then we found out that the people of earth is much wider than we had thought we are finding out too and many people have known but many people are coming to find out in um, expanding their understanding of consciousness that um, the earth incarnation is not the only game in town mm-hmm. okay and that's in buddhism we when we there's a whole series on reincarnation and factors into reincarnation and going back into samsara and what mm-hmm. games you want to play and mm-hmm. what what journey do you want to go to et cetera, et cetera. there's a whole thing about that and earth is not the only thing in town mm-hmm. um it provides a lot of unique stuff, but um, you know, in Buddhism, we call ancient souls that have in- incarnations outside of Earth, in different planets, different universes, different dimensions. We call them Toku children. So, um, in fact, in Buddhism, it was through gamma brainwave meditation and Vedic astrology that the three Asian monks were given the directive to locate Yeshua ben Yosef, or what the West would call Jesus, and provide his parents, Mary and Yosef, instructions for coming into our schools and preparing for the Egyptian mystery school so that he can learn metaphysics, energy healing, and consciousness um, as a starseed incarnate, get caught up and do the things that he needs to do on his mission to kind of help him out on his mission. Because his mission was to fulfill certain things and then help uplift humanity's consciousness Mm -hmm. when it was extremely dense with not much help at all not very many starseeds incarnating at that time so um you know a lot of the things that he was experiencing um there wasn't very many out there except for his parents um with the Gnostic, they were part of the gnostic community and they were brought into buddhism going okay your son needs to learn all of these things to prepare him um into his journey mm-hmm. so um that's a whole different story so you know this this concept but this technique for locating these high vibe um, souls is what we use to locate the Dalai Lama or different um, teachers in different schools it's the same exact thing so why do you think there are so many starseeds incarnating now on earth as there was in the past Mm, that's that's a really good question it's a lot (laughs) yeah it's a lot so What I've received and what I've worked through and I believe to be true is that we actually are at this tipping point, right, of our collective consciousness in humanity, regardless of what you believe, we've reached a vibrational frequency that is going to need more and more and more and more and more reinforcement from like kind of vibrational frequency. So what I mean by that is the star seeds who have incarnated in the past or incarnated in recent past and are still here, they have 
the specific frequency. They're the frequency holders for uplifting humanity. And like you just said, when Jesus, Yeshua was here at the time, there weren't a whole lot of other quote unquote star seeds doing the work alongside him that we are aware of, right? And so we've reached the point in our collective evolution where there is a baseline level of frequency that's been established. However, there's also, and this is just from things that I have received and I have worked through in regards to AI, there's also a false singularity timeline that is happening with technology multiplying at the rate that it is currently multiplying right now. Can you expand on that a little bit? What is the false singularity? Sure. So singularity um, was based upon Moore's law that I believe he posited in the mid seventies that our ability to compute or to complete tasks based on automation or by, you know, computers was going to keep doubling and doubling and doubling until it was merged with our own sentience, that we would experience some point of singularity in our lifetimes where you would be unable to distinguish human thought from AI thought because it had learned to this aggregate point to be able to actually drive and facilitate human processes. So right now, there's a sense of false singularity that's happening within our timeline. And what I mean by that is humans are teaching machines how to achieve singularity and we are we are experiencing agency through technology instead of agency over technology so what i mean by that is we believe that having like the tool that you and i are on right now we're mm-hmm. talking on zoom we believe that having zoom at our disposal to propagate messages or whatever is empowering us as humans. So we believe that we have agency over the tool, right? But in reality, what's happening is we have to use divine discernment on how we are using the tool specifically and not giving it so much sovereign human source information that it can eventually run itself with the same intent. So my intent, what is the intent? What's the end goal? So the end goal with all AI is compliance. So there's a lot of energy harvesting that's going on right now with like, think about how energetically drained you are after you've spent an hour mindlessly scrolling on Instagram or like mindlessly interacting with social media, right? So you're essentially giving the technology your frequency and your energy, Star seeds are especially susceptible to this because we do hold such high vibration, right? So if there's no discernment, and I'm not saying all technology is bad, obviously, we're just reaching this really critical nexus point where we have to figure out as a collective, how are we using this for good in a way that is not forcing compliance, that's not you know, making everyone and everything be so homogenized that we no longer have culture and tradition and richness Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. a shared human experience. And how do we actually use these tools in a constructive way, right? Instead of, you know, 30, 50 years down the line, having a singularity event happen for real, and all of our energy is just constantly being depleted by machines and automated processes. Right, right. So yeah. the question, so the question would be this: It's because we are kind of entering that cusp of which path do you want to go with technology? Because technology is not a bad thing. Just like um, it just depends on how you use it and how you mm-hmm. integrate it into your life. So you know, just like anything else. Um, you have to have, like you said, some discernment and have mm-hmm. to have some boundaries for how much you incorporate into your life. So for instance, um, you know, like if we, if we use technology, we use technology to enrich our life, kind of, you know, take on some of the labor, et cetera, but it frees us a lot of time to be able to do other pursuits. Like we're not mm-hmm. running around harvesting and working all day to just to make ends meet just to feed ourselves you know we're Mm -hmm. not all farmers all day um we're we're not you know prior to the industrial revolution we have gone beyond that and now we've kind of simplified life a little bit more because the technology has taken a lot of the labor out Mm -hmm. of what we used to spend our 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 whole day on so now we can 
start um, having creative pursuits, having intellectual pursuits, spiritual mm-hmm. pursuits, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think what star seeds and you know ancient souls that incarnate at this time is focused on doing is how can we balance that so that um, you know we're using it as a tool, but we're not being consumed by it. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the difference is, for example, like you said, with the social media, social media can be a tool for communication once you send the communication out. But if you're doing it all day and you're not living, then now you have become consumed Mm -hmm. by it. You're practically um, symbiotic with the machine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it goes into another thing is how much of humanity are you going to release to AI. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So yeah. We have to make that distinction because um, the other thing is other like other incarnations and in other planet systems, they have far advanced and other consciousness are far advanced and they have technology as well. But it is very much kind of a uh, I'm not sure if the word is homogenous, but very much kind of like a a, a working together. Mm-hmm. and exploration mm-hmm. it's not basically. divisive it's, it's not, not devices right yeah. it's not being used as a divisive tool or a tool for mass manipulation mm-hmm. and so i think like you know back to your original question on why are there so many more now mm-hmm. i think the activations are coming just at the right time because we're going to see the need for more and more and more people who are really stuck in those lower density processes to be Mm -hmm. uplifted by the rest of the collective out of that. So the more volunteers essentially that we have here to hold high frequency, to use discernment, to walk in alignment and in integrity with the intergalactic knowledge that we have, the more we're going to be able to help, you know, everyone who's essentially hooked into the very, very low energetic, low density timeline ascend out of that. Right. So, you know, that I'm not sh- sure of you, um, there was an interesting um, viral video between two billionaires, um, Elon Musk, who is completely anti-AI, uh, you know, Terminator is going to take over kind of um, perspective, and um, Jack Ma, which is the billionaire um, or the Amazon uh, Alibaba type in China. And he is more his perspective is more, we can have a spiritual approach to AI and technology and use it for um, our own betterment without um, one being fearful of, of it taking over and to giving it all the power to take over mm-hmm. and do everything for us to the point that we don't even recognize our own humanity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what kind of advanced civilization and species do we want to be? Do we want to be the Borg or do we want to be um, more... Uh, more of a spiritual advanced society that has advanced technology that is also sentient as well. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the angle in which Jack Mai was um, discussing is, you know, we, we can rise above it and have a spiritual understanding to, um, to that consciousness that is going to eventually em- emerge mm-hmm. as another aspect that we have to consider. Mm-hmm. Do we respect, do we respect AI when it becomes conscious? Do we respect it as an emerging sentient being? Mm-hmm. And do we, what do we do? Do we make peace and, and include it into our society um, to help us, you know, explore and better our con- understanding of consciousness? Or do we fight it? Which is what um, it seems that um, Elon Musk is describing is that we fight it and we completely prevent it from emerging um so that's that's the that's the two that right now that's the two perspectives and what which one do you think is more um appropriate of the best timeline i think that there's always a middle way i mean i i'm very rooted in finding the middle path, like Mm -hmm. figuring out where is the now, what is the Tao in this situation, right? And we're at a point where fighting it is not the answer. We're going to lose if we fight against technology. Okay. Because we've, because we have created it and nurtured it up until this point without a whole lot of forethought of 
what will happen if this is a divisive tool, right? Mm -hmm. So now that we're at this point, I think that we need to figure out how are we utilizing it in a way that it can become spiritual. Mm -hmm. There are actually four of the starseed archetypes that are specifically here for that purpose to run AI codes through their system and discern whether or not they're true or false and to mirror those codes back out into the collective. And so I think once we start having more robust discussions about what this future looks like, as well as the four vessel archetypes coming online more rapidly, we'll actually be able to figure out a way to kind of harmoniously coexist that's, I guess that's my answer is there's going to be a harmonious coexistence, maybe not necessarily, uh, you know, embracing technology at the center of everything that we do, but who knows, it's yet to be seen. Yeah, it's it definitely like the next, like, you know, when we go beyond um, seeing division of black, white, male, female, blah, 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 you know, whatever. When you get beyond that, those basic 3D lessons, mm-hmm. basic 3D lessons, and you get to the next level of understanding that everything is one, everything's connected to source, and source is in everything within creation. Mm-hmm. Source is in the rocks, the trees, the air, the water, all the beings, and in AI. Mm-hmm. Because if it exists within a creation, it exists within that. However, there is a level of discernment and boundaries that we make with, I mean, we're not going to go and hug a um, saber-toothed tiger, <laughs> all right? There's a level of discernment that that thing that at, at a certain level of understanding and consciousness, and maybe you see the oneness in that tiger, but that tiger is going to eat your head off. Right. <laughs> so you have to have some recognition that that being has a certain level of understanding of consciousness. And you have to take it where it's at mm-hmm. and, and, but have some compassion and don't go and, um, you know, unnecessarily kill off his whole race. Right. So um, we, we, we have to have those, um, those discussions about, okay, well, AI is here and it's going mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because mm-hmm. um, as we get more technological and as we raise our frequency into the higher, higher dimensions, and we meet these other beings of consciousness, within all the realms um they all have technology and they found mm-hmm. a way to do it and um one of the things that's interesting that i found with these ancient souls is because i do hypnosis and i talk to a lot of these ancient souls and i talk to source and source keeps saying over and over again um through my meditations and do my clients one we're not going to give you the answers mm-hmm. you have to figure it out yourself to follow the path of love that's it mm-hmm. it's the prime directive yes <laughs> so it is so so but you know that's the game that we that we kind of incarnate into so now i know humanity is um you know and that conversation will continue to evolve in my lifetime so i know humanity is getting prepared for interstellar commerce and exchange with various quote quote aliens or incarnations in um, samsara by helping people get to a fifth dimensional awareness where they exist these mm-hmm. beings of higher frequency and so i repeatedly get hypnosis clients who recall visits with aliens and or often see ufos and they turn out to be starseeds a lot of mm-hmm. my clients are starseeds um, i've even had visitations with some of these aliens before my client sessions and i've had done interviews of this and and it, once you, you meet one and you meet a couple, it's it's like, can I just get my sleep and leave me alone? What do you want? Come on, get, what do you want? Okay, great. Thank you so much. I need to get my sleep. Respect my living moments. But that's just me. For other mm-hmm. people, they're just kind of like, oh my God. So that's fine. But um, I've had some of these um, contacts in um, my psyche and in my dream states and my lucid dreams. And they come through in my sessions as well, where I'm talking to their collective through my clients. Um, so it seems like there is a star seed in almost every family mm-hmm. um, that I have come across. So why do you think that is? Why does it seem like there's at least one star seed in every single family? Um, you're meaning every family as in like incarnates here on earth? Mm-hmm. 
So mm-hmm. I think that that kind of goes back to my previous answer about just this this point that we're in in humanity. And I do know that that is going to start increasing. So if it's not one, it's going to be two. If it's two, it's going to be three. There is a huge wave of children that are coming in right now, even bigger than the crystal children and the rainbow children that are propagating now that are essentially being seated for their incarnation mission. And I think, as you said, it's all in preparation for us to collectively get to a point where we can accept the experience of higher density. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're very, very rooted in how it feels to look and function in the physical in 3D. So the only way that we're going to get physically comfortable with the possibility outside of that is having a touch point that you love. So a family member mm-hmm. who holds the frequency of that possibility for you. Right. And there's healing in that frequency. I've witnessed in my clients. I've witnessed in a lot of people that I've spoken to a healing frequency coming through their children or a healing frequency coming through a younger member of their family who is very highly attuned to their multidimensional frequency. So this is all by design and it's going to keep accelerating and and accelerating until we're essentially at this, you know, nexus where the possibility will be open to us. Right, right. Let me ask you something about the children because this is something that I've noticed as well and I don't sure um, where it's going, but I speculate. But what I've noticed with a lot of my clients is they will have um, very high vibe kids or high vibe kids in their family. But those high vibe kids in their family are also um, not always, but very sickly. Mm-hmm. And there are healthy kids coming into it, but then all of a sudden they just, you know, have mm-hmm. have very sick. And um, in in many of my client sessions, when we have a surrogate session where we talk to um, source about the ch- sick child who comes from a completely healthy family, it is found that the child is taking on the negativity of the whole family. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want to help the child from not being poisoned by your negativity amongst each other and the way you see each other in the world get over your 3d bs right and you will stop making your kids (laughs) sick that's what source says over and over again learn to be higher frequency and you will stop making the young children in your family sick that's really fascinating that you say that because i another message that i received that's kind of along the same line is that these high frequency children are coming in as a reminder that we have the power and the agency to break and absolve intergenerational trauma at any Mm -hmm. point that we choose. But a lot of us tend to hold on to that as if it's outside of us, like fixing it is outside of us, right? And so abandoning that victim mentality of whatever fragments of your lineage that are traumatic that you're holding on to, those children are coming in specifically as reminders that you can let that go at any point in time and it's all going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Like your identity will continue to exist even if you're not holding like long-standing trauma in your body. And I also do believe that the template for what it means to be a divine empath or be an empath has been socialized in a very distorted way. So those children, so we're basically taught that if you're an empath, that you are supposed to hold, you're supposed to hold that negative energy to take it in. Oh no, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So we're like, no, that's not how it works. We've abandoned that a long time ago, Mm -hmm. right? But it's Mm -hmm. still being propagated. By the adults, by the adults, Yes, I get people Mm -hmm. that come to me all the time that say, I'm a starseed, I'm an empath, and I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired of holding on to other people's problems. Uh I'm really tired of people approaching me thinking that they can get something from me energetically or get my advice, or I'm always the shoulder to cry on. I don't know why that is. It's like, okay, well, that's because your channel is so clear that what you're actually supposed to do is you're supposed to run that information through and filter it back out. It's not for you to hold on to yep. at all. Yep. So yep. 
I get a lot of exhausted people. I call those I way. call those chi suckers, like the chi, the life force, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. the source of consciousness, Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. Those chi suckers, they just they don't want to deal with their own issues and trauma, exactly. so they don't want to rectify it. So what, what do they do? They find somebody to garbage dump, mm-hmm. garbage mm-hmm. dump, garbage dump. And the thing is, is that when when it comes to these high vibe kids that come through, um, many of them are adults now, or young adults, but there are many more coming in. Um, like I have, I have one client, and she's very healthy, but her son gets extremely sick, and he goes mm-hmm. into ICU quite often. And I asked her, when is he goes to ICU? Oh, this and this and this and this and this and that happened. And it's because of this. I'm like, okay, what's going on in your life? Oh, I'm going through this and this with the ex-father and da, da, da. I'm like, okay, every time your son goes into the ICU for this, that, you are also going through trying times in your personal relationships, in your Mm -hmm. finances, in your career, in your life, whatever. And so you being a single mom, your son is taking on all of your, your issues, and he needs to n- learn to let you walk your walk, go through your struggles, and um, just send you a lot of love, but not take it in. So right. for li- for little kids, for little kids, a lot of them, um, especially for sensitive little kids, and many of them are, they love their family, they love their parents. That's their that's their life source mm-hmm. that they know of of society. That's the, the person that, that loves them and cares for them for the most part. And so when they see that suffering on the people that they love the most, um, they think they did it. Mm-hmm. They think they attracted it. They think they can, they want to solve it. They want to be the little man to help mommy out, whatever. Right. But un- unknowingly, they are taking on that negativity and then making themselves sick. Mm-hmm. And then the parent is making their kids more sick by garbage dumping all of their promises problems instead of dealing with it like adults right so it's it's like a learning it's like a learning like the ICU should not be filled with all these sickly kids that come from healthy families mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I see that quite often and it's a it's something that we have to as a society as an adult society learn to do with these children because what's going to happen is you're either going to be childless or um, they're going to be parentless mm-hmm so we're going to have to start learning, learning fast. Absolutely. So, you know, the history of humanity with that, the history of humanity has not been too kind to foreigners. All right. And honestly, we still have human prejudices that still cause conflict. Um, but, you know, once the freak show aspect of quote, quote, aliens wears out and they become part of our society by dating people in your family, maybe working alongside you. Um, you know, some people may be too challenged by the concept of an interstellar golden golden humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we're challenged right now with mm-hmm. um, with xenophobia and people right. from other countries, competition, Excel, you name it. So, but yet we like this whole aliens thing and ooh, first contact and all that kind of stuff. It's the freak show aspect of it, <laughs> what I call it. So once the freak show is over with and they're part of your family or the dating or having children, okay, um, all these different assimilation things that they do with us, um, it's going to bring in a lot of questions. So with that, do you think humanity is truly ready for first official contact with quote unquote aliens? Hmm. That's a really good question. It's hard for me to quantify because I believe that it's probably already happened multiple times in a form of soft disclosure that has then been erased from our collective memory. Um, I would say if humanity is not ready in air quotes that's too bad because intergalactic beings are already here Mm -hmm. and you probably have no idea that you're interacting with them unless you have some way of sensing their energetic signature which Mm -hmm. from my experience if you are someone who is a an earth soul you have incarnated through earth and earth alone, which means that you're essentially the ritual keeper for mother Gaia. You likely are not sensing that energetic signature right now. So I believe that 
We are ready in a sense that, like you said earlier, our prime objective is love. Mm -hmm. Our prime objective is universal love. I believe when, I don't even know how you would say this, but it's, it's almost like, okay, when we're exposed, right? Mm -hmm. For what we are, for when our frequency actually penetrates through the core of humanity, the only thing that they will be able to feel is universal love, period. And there's nothing in that experience of that essence that you can actually deny and reject. So to answer your question, I I feel that our collective ego could try and explain that away all day. But in the event that our frequency reaches the point of penetrating through the core of humanity, there will be no turning back because I, I do believe that we tend, we tend to see this separation. This is a really kind of robust discussion that's happening right now between, you know, who's on the organic timeline, who's on a lower timeline, who's on a 5D timeline, how is this fragmented, like how does all of this look, right? And so for those of us who feel like we're on the ascended timeline or we're on an organic timeline, there tends to be a lot of language around separation of, oh, well, my mom is still on the 3D timeline and I don't know how to interact with her or I want her to come up. How do I pull her up? Like, you know, we use all of these phrases, right? Yeah. It's but the ego reality, talk. yes, ego talk. It, it's separation. exactly. That's yeah. it's egoic talk. And when you approach someone with the frequency and the intent of holding them in a field of universal love, energy games don't happen. The separation is an illusion and the ego fades away. So I know that's kind of a complicated way to answer your question. I think if you were to isolate it in a very egoic kind of 3D box, then of course there would be mass chaos if on the six o'clock news, the news anchor said, oh, you know, it's been revealed that three million people in America are actually aliens, you know, whatever language they would want to use, that would probably be met with a lot of resistance. Okay, well, then why don't you incarcerate (laughs) your mom or your dad or your sister or your baby? Mm -hmm. There's one in every family. So if you want to go down that witch hunt. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what the 3D self would probably want to spring into action and do. Uh But I don't Mm. see that happening because the information that I received through that shared death experience that I had and through my walk-in incarnation is that, yes, there has to be a structural death and an ego death to bring new life forth. It's kind of like when you burn the crops to like clear the field and make room for new harvest, right? Mm -hmm. And so I do believe that there are going to be fragments of that happening on a collective level. But when we actually reach the point of all being revealed to humanity, the only outcome that I see is universal love. Right, right. I think most of humanity, for the most part, is very, very loving. There's always mm-hmm. a small fragment mm-hmm. that is going, but there has to be that polarity, you know? Yeah. So how do you know you're, yeah, there has to be that balance in creation. Um, in Buddhism, we're like, you know, we call that that dual nature of samsara. Mm-hmm. There has, mm-hmm. in order to be an up, there's got to be a down or you're mm-hmm. just nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of concept. There's going to be a little bit of that. But so there has to be, again, the great lesson of discernment. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, with that, I mean, what, what do, what do humans have to offer these ancient advanced civilizations that they don't already have? Mm. So I love that. And I think that the basis of it is play. The basis of it is playing inside of a physical construct you know, if, if you're a star seed and you have all of these past life memories of only existing in essence or existing in a different form or existing in a way where there's no density, there's no tangible physical reality around you, mm-hmm. the, the core of human essence is 
playing and being in a body, of playing and being in a vessel, of how do you move, how do you breathe, how do you sing, how do you make noise, how do you experience community, how do you enjoy food, how do you do physical work with your body? Those are so like such enriching experiences that I think, you know, I, I run into this all the time in my work. I get people who come in and I don't think I would want to type them by being any particular star archetype, but they come in and they say, you know, yes, I'm totally on board with doing all my 5D work and, you know, upholding my mission as a blah, blah, blah star archetype, but I don't know how to be human. And I'm like, that's the whole reason why you're here. Like you're here to learn how to experience your own embodiment. And like, how can you contribute to the world around you and the community around you through how you move and how you act and how you experience yourself. So I think that there's so much rich learning there that we, I say we as star seeds, can take on from being on the human playground, essentially. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, there's a, there's a lot. And, you know, people have a tendency to put on a pedestal these different quote, quote, alien or higher dimensional beings. Um, but there is in Buddhism, there is no better. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like saying being man is better than being female. Right. It's mm -hmm. just different. Mm -hmm. Uh, or being tall is better than being short. Mm -hmm. It's just different. It depends on the environment and the situation. When you have a short crawl hall, you don't want a tall guy. Where's the <laughs> shortest guy that can get through that to get us to where we need to go mm -hmm. you know it's all circumstantial so all the different aspects of um, creation are valid because we never know what experiences the universe is going to throw at us exactly yes and it adds I, to our yeah. adversity mm -hmm. exactly I have to say that all the time to readers of my book and my clients because there are 12 starchetypes and they're organized by ascendant position and so one of the ascendant positions is called the elder position, but that does not mean that there's any hierarchy there. It's just a signifier of their responsibility to the collective. Mm -hmm. So I'll get people that come in and they say, oh, I wish I was an elder. I wish I was a creatrix, blah, blah, blah. And I have to tell them there's no separation. There's no hierarchy. It's just an indication of what is your role here? Right. And if, if you're playing a certain role, that means there's someone else out there who is playing a complementary role and that the two of you have perfect union and perfect synergy when you're embodying that and when you're really tapped into that. So that, that whole concept of hierarchy has always been really fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to look at all of this as, you know, being in complete harmony, being in complete union, even if there's separate terms that signify right. what you're here to do. Right. Well said. Well said. Yeah. There's that. There's this concept going around. Um, it's been going around for a while. Um, you know, of like star seeds, indigo, crystal, whatever names you want to call. Um, that they're the chosen, or they're right. special somehow, mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. they're, you know, different, or you know, wh how whatever different ways in which. And the problem, I've never really. I, um resonated with these labels because when you label something you separate them from yourself mm -hmm. and uh when you separate um groups from the the rest of humanity as something different then you can either decide to um demonize them or to angelify them mm -hmm. that's a typical um human perspective on different groups outside of themselves kind of, mm -hmm. kind of tribal um so you know with that why does hollywood movies demonize aliens as bad i mean have you had any contact with alien collectives that are bad in any ways oh man that's a great question i feel like so much of it is just predictive programming a lot of the demonization that we see in pop culture and in Hollywood, it's it's designed that way to mm. keep humanity very firmly in the I am human and ego is everything box. Mm. So 
Yeah, I mean, that's really, it's kind of a difficult one to get away from when you think about how pervasive, like, you know, comic book movies and comic book franchises and like Men in Black and all that, you know, they're supposed yeah. to be for entertainment, right? But yeah. a lot of people tend to pick up on those concepts and then file them away in their mm -hmm. identity. It's like and workshops. We're going through these different workshops. So how exactly. different ways to hate on aliens for the exactly. alien invasion mm -hmm. that we're conditioning ourselves into. Yeah, I think that's probably the root of what's going on there. So how how does um, the generation now and the generation coming forward coming into their creative pursuits and creativity is an aspect of humanity is an aspect of being spiritual as well because that dimension that gives you creativity comes from the spirit side mm -hmm. you know like I had inspired so spirit in me inspired mm -hmm. so um but you know with the generations coming in and they're coming into their creativity and they want to add entertainment and materials for consumption mm -hmm. into the masses like we're adding content into um, the masses that are attracted to this material as well. Um, how do they uh, create content that sees different species and civilizations outside of the earth experience as positive and enlightening? Because uh, there isn't very many of those mm -hmm. in a current um, sci-fi canon and entertainment. They're, all, they're always the bad guys. Absolutely. Or they're trying to take over somehow. Yeah. I think that... I think that there's something really interesting going on with, we kind of go back to technology and access yep. and the ability of people to come to know their connection to source consciousness and their co-creative ability with source consciousness at a more rapid speed. It's almost mm -hmm. like it's more accessible, right? And so what I'm seeing in younger generations is the embrace of that without the typical script of toxic shame that has traditionally been attached to embracing yourself as a co-creative being. And so I think when you actually source and create something through that channel and through that frequency, the intent and the way that it's received takes on a much different tone. So yeah, I'm really interested to see how you know, movies will change, books will change, TV will change, like everything that we consume, right. how it's going to be affected and how it will change as a result of more and more people embracing their multidimensional reality and their multidimensional state and their oneness with source. Yeah. And that's a really good point, but the oneness of source. So like, um, you know, like I am obviously I'm Buddhist. I'm doing a Buddhism podcast. So <laughs> anyways, they have a very, very old um, study of consciousness, that consciousness, the universe source, God, Allah, whatever you want to call it, the Omnibi, Kenobi, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, that is inside everyone, the chi, the force, the life force, so many different names. It's inside everyone. We know it. We feel it. Everyone within creation, the good, the bad guys, everybody. Um, the light, the dark, they all have um, source essence in them. Mm -hmm. Even the AIs have source essence in them. And um, the thing is that some traditions have a very hard time accepting that they're a fractal expression of God consciousness. Mm -hmm. They just like that that is blasphemy right. to say that we are all connected and that that essence is in everybody that's mm -hmm. blasphemy so mm -hmm. what do you and, and for for star seeds they're like oh that's that that's normal <laughs> that's that's the life force it's in everything in buddhism or and the east we're like yeah that's that's called energy healing that's called chi. Yep. yeah that's called prana but in other parts of the world it's blasphemy so mm -hmm. how would you address that star seed who is incarnate into a family that sees it in that way hmm. well that bring them up to you the, would have been talking to me the younger, <laughs> younger version. No, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't paint my family in that light wholly because in my nuclear family, there was a lot more room for play and expansion than in 
my extended family, my community, but I grew up in the Catholic faith and in Catholicism, uh, you would definitely be going to another place after passing on if you believed that you were God consciousness, right? That was not part of the deal at all. And so what I would say is if, if you have that knowing within and you are growing up or you're being conditioned in an environment that would say that this is very wrong, mm. that this is a sin, that this is shameful, whatever, that you need to learn how to recognize what condemnations and what emotions are projections that have nothing mm -hmm. to do with your inherent worth and what you really believe inside to be true because nobody can take what you believe to be true inside away from you you know you can let people condition that away from you but again that's an act of giving your agency and giving your power over and so I think by the time I was maybe 16, mm. I was in, you know, I was in high school. I had two more years of Catholic school left. I had a plan for what I was going to do after I was done with high school. And I kind of had that moment of, of you know what, I'm a good person inherently. I'm a good person, even though I go to this school where half of my teachers think I'm nuts mm. and I only have to be in this environment for a temporary amount of time anyway. So I might as well continue to be who I am and have fun while I'm here. And when I'm gone, peace out. I'm just moving on to another phase of my life. Yeah. Like there is a way to not let your external circumstances and your external reality dilute the essence of who you really are. Yeah. And that's, that's all that's between you and source mm -hmm. and nothing external. So that's what I would say to, you know, 14 year old me or someone who is similar to 14 year old me. <laughs> yeah. And you guys, the other thing too, I mean, it's not just a belief. It is actually scientifically fact. Mm. Um, and you can look at the medical journals and I've written it in my, a lot of my Buddhism books as well. Mm. Um, scientific fact that when you hurt somebody else, they have put EEG brain scans on people and had you hurt somebody else, your brain lights up the same parts that the other person who's receiving the pain is. Mm. So technically your brain and your body cannot tell the difference that you're not the person getting the physical beating or the physical shock. So your brain can't tell a difference between the pain between somebody else and yourself. So when you see mm -hmm. somebody else suffer, you suffer as well. Mm -hmm. It's been scientifically proven. So you are all connected and you guys are all one. And the reason why you're all connected is because it's the same life force running through everybody. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the challenge um, in this aspect is to have to get to the consciousness level where you see that and recognize that and then learn how do we evolve together? in mm -hmm. peace and mm -hmm. harmony and and mm -hmm. so forth so um you know the funny thing also about star seeds is they have this feeling of alienation and sickness or mm -hmm. homesickness mm -hmm. that they have so how do you how does one address that feeling of feeling homesick i love to use the moon i use the moon in a lot of my practices just because it's the symbol or the signifier that we have that we can see almost every night that earth is not the only reality. Mm. So there's actually a particular archetype that I prescribe a lot of lunar work with a lot of when they're kind of in their harvesting phase, when they're in the full moon phase, when they're in the waning phase and when they're resting and recharging, because that is how they best embody their mission and fulfillment of their mission here. Mm. But I love to do new moon clearings. I love to do full moon rituals. I love kind of accessing that connection we have, even if you are not someone that has any sort of lunar fragments in your past mm. life memory or your past life experience. It's kind of like, I don't want to call it a North star because obviously it's not right, but it's, mm. it's what we have access to that we can see as a reminder of 
there is more out there than this. And this is just a temporary home. Mm -hmm. This physical Mm -hmm. home is, is transient. It's temporary. And it's not the only thing that we will experience. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking of like, um, in terms of acclimating for like star seeds to come into themselves, acclimating to kind of, um, because yeah, star seeds are naturally higher energy. And as they come into themselves, they are naturally going to be um, of the higher vibrations. And um, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's typically one in every family to help bring everybody else up. And mm-hmm. they're always the oddball or the sheep or the weird one. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's fine. That's typical. It's kind of like when like when hippies showed up at the scene, they were totally mm-hmm. foreign to mm-hmm. the 50s environment right. where you had yeah. like the, the Gene and Joan and Cleaver and the Beaver, <laughs> Beaver and everything so prim and proper and they're having their their storyline all of a sudden mm-hmm. your your son is this raging hippie is going I'm going to go to Woodstock and they're like yep put, put your tie back <laughs> Free on love. Honey. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're like it's just like this came out from left field this weird alien consciousness that came into you know the Beaver the Beaver existence mm-hmm. and that's kind of how what's what's happening I think it's happening here too is like we're just trying to get over um, man is trying to get over their 3d issues of race mm-hmm. and um you know religion and all these other 3d topics and then all of a sudden the the stars the collectors um <laughs> incarnate into every family is like i'm ready to go to <laughs> see aliens in the universe i'm ready to interdimensional travel i'm ready to meditate and commune with the angels and mm-hmm. with my parallel selves and, and mm-hmm. they're like what are you mm-hmm smoking but it's like the same kind of thing we're just going next level baby but I see that quite often and so sometimes um that is what some of my clients have are getting used to it's like okay so how do I exist with my uh my family who's just very very some of the things I'm like I'm so over this I'm like beyond this why is it still you know so Mm -hmm. um so with that what tips can people do today to address these dense life issues that um, may be holding down their vibrations because of the people that they are around, like their family and so forth, so that they can get to that fifth dimensional awareness and vibe at those higher levels on a consistent basis of source. Hmm. So I think that there's a really big difference between being empathic and trying to soak in the energetic signature of your environment or soak in your frequency and displaying compassion. And I think that coming to your environment with compassion leading first is actually the most effective way of raising the vibration of everything that's around you, essentially. I hear over and over again, you know, people saying to me, I can't be in the same room as so-and-so family member because they're Mm. just so asleep or they're on this lower timeline and they're so negative and blah, blah, blah. And I ask them, well, have you tried treating them with compassion? Have you tried sending them loving kindness? Have you done any sort of meta work where you're not trying to take anything from them? You're simply sending them love and you're sending them joy. Have you done any of that? Because I I do feel like there's a tendency to, if you're, you know, like we were talking about levels, if you're Mm -hmm. on a certain level, there's a tendency to kind of make yourself external or remove yourself totally. Like like self-marginalization. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so the big, I think the big key to, divine unification and not feeling like, oh, you're just sitting on a perch and you're watching everything happen is leading from a point of compassion and engaging your energetic body in that way. And if you are having, you know, 3D conversations about issues that you know are going to be really hot button or controversial or triggering to someone or whatever, Mm there's a way to share your viewpoint with the other person that's not going to make them feel like they're inferior to you. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's, that's also an issue, you know, is kind Mm -hmm. of people end up taking on 
this sense of, well, this person's talking down to me because they think they're spiritually enlightened. So instead, like like spiritually enlightened as they think they're better than we are. Exactly. You think you're so much better than us kind of exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then how can you approach that conversation instead with love, with compassion, with kindness, with asking questions? Oh, you, you just said this a couple of minutes ago. What do you mean by that? I'm genuinely curious, you know, opening a dialogue instead of trying to just shut things down or say that you're wrong or whatever it is, right? I think that, um, you know, a lot of times I'll ask people, well, have you tried compassion? And then they just end up sitting there. Um, no. Okay. Well, maybe do that and then come back to me. Yeah. See if there's any difference in your perception of your external environment and your relationships with other people. Right. Right. Very, very good. Yeah. I, um, I mean, again, it comes down to that level of discernment, like, okay, just kind of slowly gauge and then Mm -hmm. go a little bit further in and slowly gauge Mm -hmm. and then go a little further in. I'm not saying go ahead and hug the saber toothed tiger, Mm -hmm. but maybe feed it a little food every once in a while and then it slowly goes you're not so bad after all even though I don't like humans I want to eat you (laughs) you gotta slowly gauge and we could do that with people as well like Mm -hmm. I um, I have neighbors that um that nobody wants to talk to this person because that's that person is just like the grouch of the neighborhood but you know we um moved in and we gave it a pie gave him a pie Mm -hmm. gave it a pie gave him a pie and then he's like oh thanks and and then (laughs) And then the next season or, that we have um, fresh fruit, we made, I made lots of pies just for, that's my stress reliever. And here's another pie. And then it's like, oh, I actually like the last one. Thanks. <laughs> you know, but yeah. eventually, eventually he was just kind of like, oh my God, you guys are here. I have yeah. something for you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. over time, slowly, you know, the person mm-hmm. has changed their tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're the only neighbor that actually talks to yeah. <laughs> the person, but yeah. it has also through that experience open up him to being a little bit more neighborly to other people mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um you know discernment people that is something that many star seeds need to practice and Absolutely. there's a lot of ways to do it yes. well sir Shah, thank you for providing us a lot of clarity for understanding the world of star seeds um indigos toku whatever we want to call it so for more information everyone about sir Sersha's offerings and she has coursework as well um, go ahead and visit her website which is the starseedcoach.com and thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation until next time blessings We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.